With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We are a women's basketball podcast without any basketball to talk about right now. UConn comes off the Christmas break and their first two games after and their last two games of 2021 get canceled because of COVID. Their game Wednesday at the 29th, home against Marquette, that was canceled because of COVID issues within Marquette's program. And then their game at DePaul on Friday, that is canceled because of COVID problems within UConn's program. So COVID has reached UConn for the first time. Well, not the first time, the first time this season. We don't have the specifics of what happened, but the Big East new cancellation policy says that because obviously so many people are testing positive who are vaccinated, it's no longer a forfeit if a team can't field a team. They will attempt to reschedule it, but they are calling them cancellations for now. Teams must have at least seven scholarship players and at least one coach on the bench in order to play. So that means UConn's game on Friday, they don't have those numbers. What that means, we don't really know because we don't know for sure if it's the coaching staff that can't meet those requirements. That seems a little more unlikely. Also, the men's team at UConn is shut down, and Dan Hurley was one of the ones that tested positive, and they did mention that. So it seems more likely, without knowing for sure, that it is an issue with the players. Before the break, UConn only had eight healthy players available. So really, it could be just two players tested positive, and that drops them below the limit because we don't know if AZ Fudd or Nico Mule are back, or Aubrey Griffin, but it sounds like Nico Mule and Aubrey Griffin. Nope, Nico Mule and AZ Fudd are the two closest to returning. But since there hasn't been a game, we haven't had practice to know who's even there right now. Seems like Nika and Dorky Uhas got back from going home for Christmas. We don't know for sure. Again, we haven't talked to Gino. We don't know anything. We don't know the status of Mule, Fudd, Griffin with their injuries. Long story short, we don't have any idea what's happening besides UConn isn't playing these two games, one of which is because of Marquette, the second of which is because of UConn. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely not a specific problem to UConn or the biggest either. You scroll through ESPN right now and the NCAA likes games. I think 50% of them are canceled for tomorrow and the next day. So it's just, I don't know, it's feeling very much like it's like March 2020 all over again, but things are not going well. <laughs> In terms of sheer numbers, sheer volume, this is way worse than any point last year that I can remember. Maybe I'm misremembering last year. Maybe I blacked out all of last year. That's also a very strong possibility. I don't remember it being just swaths of games getting canceled, though. Left and right, men's team, the women's team, programs around the country, major programs, small programs, everyone in between. It's just ripping through everyone. And it does... That makes sense. It is logical. The players did go home for Christmas. I can't imagine 
it was going to be a hundred percent perfect when they got back, that there weren't going to be any issues. I still don't think that means it was the wrong decision to send people home for Christmas. It's a couple games. You've already played more at this point in the schedule, I believe, than you did last year. The players deserve to have time to go home, spend some time with their families. Even if that means missing two, three, even four games, I don't expect this to last for an entire month. Or maybe I should say, I don't hope this doesn't last for an entire month, but it seems like if the team can quarantine a little bit, let things settle down over the next couple of weeks, we can get through this holiday surge. It'll probably get better. You would hope so. A couple of games seems like a pretty reasonable sacrifice to let the players have time with their families, have Christmas time. Two years away from that seems like a little much to ask just to play some basketball. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's like reasonable, especially at the place that we're in where like everyone on the team is vaccinated and like the risk to them is relatively low. Like to say they can't go home because like someone might catch COVID and have a game be canceled is just kind of ridiculous at this point. I think it's important that the players get to spend time with their family and when I mean, we all spend time with our family, I think most people complaining about games being canceled, spend time with their family. So I don't think it's fair to ask like anything else of these players. Right. They're college kids. They want to go home. They don't want to be stuck in the bubble that they were in last year, even though it seems like that's the way it's probably trending from here on out. I'd have to imagine because it doesn't seem like it's taking a whole lot for there to be a positive test. Maybe it won't have to be as strict as it was last year. I actually don't know what's going on at UConn so well. Well, there are still a few weeks until classes resume, but it, I'd imagine UConn's still going to have in-person classes, so they'll be able to leave their dorms more. But yeah, it's not a great situation. Their next scheduled game is January 5th at Georgetown. Georgetown's also dealing with some COVID issues, so whether or not that game actually happens still remains to be seen. After that, it's Villanova on Friday, January 7th. Very disappointed because I was going to take a trip down to Georgetown, fly down to D.C., take the train up to Villanova, take the train back from Philadelphia. Canceled that. I'm not traveling right now. And with just the uncertainty of the Georgetown game, it seems very unlikely that that's going to happen without having any knowledge. But I mean, I guess if they knew Tuesday that they don't have enough players to play on Friday, if it's only two players, it's only the minimum number that needed to cancel a game, just looking at the best case scenario, if they tested positive on Tuesday, now it's only a five-day quarantine instead of a 10-day quarantine. I don't know if that means players can return to play in five days. I don't know if that means the players will be healthy enough to return in five days, but that would put them back before the Georgetown game. But of course, if it spreads, if it comes more of an outbreak where those numbers can't be sustained, then yeah, maybe the Georgetown game could know. But again, it all comes back to the point of we really don't know what's going on. We don't have much information. So we're really just in a wait and see mode right now. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a totally different situation. Like last year, it was like, well, one person has it. So the whole team is shut down. And that's obviously not the case anymore. So until we know more about what's going on, it's really hard to estimate what's going to happen going forward. I was thinking if something bad did happen with the coaching staff and they did only have one coach available, they have three head coaches on the staff or coaches who have been head coaches. Gino, obviously Jamel Elliott coached at Cincinnati for a while. Morgan Valley obviously came straight from Hartford as a head coach. And then CD never been a head coach in her life officially, but she's been the intern plenty of times last season too. 
I don't actually want to say the stat that it's been like three straight years that she's taken over head coaching duties, but it is a thing. So UConn is in pretty good shape if that happens. My concern would be that if COVID hits people, not in the right way, but in the specific way, UConn could have even fewer guard depth available where if AZ FUD gets back, but it's, let's just say, Kristen and Avina test positive. Now you're down to two guards, neither of which are really point guards. Then you're in a really tough spot. So I wonder if there is some flexibility with that rule where if UConn has seven players available, but none of them are actually guards, that's not really a reasonable yeah. way to play a basketball game. So I don't really know for sure. Again, just spitballing here, but it does seem like there should be some wiggle room with that rule where if they have more numbers, but it's only bigs, no one to bring the ball up, no one to play guard. Is that really better than having just five players available? I mean, there's been years where UConn's only had six healthy players available to begin with. I think there might've even been a game a couple of years ago where they only had five players. So this is not exactly uncharted territory for the team. Seven does seem like a bit of a generous number, but I feel like positionally it means more than just having a certain number of players to meet the threshold. Right. Exactly. Like, so when we were looking at a UConn team that had three healthy guards period going into the break and now we don't know if that situation has changed at this point. So if even one of them is out with COVID, you just really don't have anything at that position. Not that I want this to happen, but it would be very interesting to see UConn play a game with, let's just say, Nika, Caroline, and AZ as the guards, and then Amari. Wow, they're really short on players. Amari, <laughs> P.F., and let's throw Aaliyah in there. I think we need one more player. Uh, let's say uh, Aubrey's healthy by this point. Just to see what those players could do, to see what Piath could do in a whole game, to see what Amari could do in a whole yeah. game. Not that I want it to happen, but it just would be very interesting to see how it all works out in that fashion. Again, not something I'm hoping happens. I cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> But it just would be interesting to see what some yeah. of these players can do that we don't see very frequently. Yeah. On a similar note, I think it's going to get really interesting as we go into conference play, not just for UConn, but like across the country with if this continues to be the situation and you're without a player or two every night, how are like, they going to handle that when you start getting to tournament time and like the South, you know, UConn loses a game when they don't have like Kristen and Liv or something, or, you know, South Carolina loses a game without Ali Boston. How do you start considering what all of this actually means? Like in terms of like results, it's going to be very interesting, I think. Right. Because if you're giving, let's just use the South Carolina example, South Carolina credit for losing a game without Aliyah Boston. Well, then do you just have to throw out every single game that UConn played without Paige Beckers? Do you throw out just the bad losses that they had without Paige Beckers? It does become a bit of a slippery slope trying to figure out which games should, in quotes, count towards a tournament resume and which should just kind of be swept under the rug because, all right, well, they didn't have this, this, and this because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And it starts getting a little tricky of where you draw the line because, yeah, UConn wasn't a full-strength team when they lost to Georgia Tech. They weren't a full-strength team when they lost to Louisville. Does UConn win both of those games with Paige Beckers? Probably. Do they win both those games with AZ Fudd and Nika Mule? We don't know right now because we haven't seen either of them healthy this year. So it's going to be tough for the committee to figure out, especially 
with how bad it's been right now, or some of these games that get canceled because of COVID, if UConn doesn't end up playing South Carolina a second time, or if UConn doesn't end up playing Oregon or Tennessee, how can you really judge what UConn's done when they have such a small sample size of a fully healthy team, if that's where they are by the start of the NCAA tournament? It's going to be a very weird spot for the committee. Yeah, I think even these conference games like Marquette and DePaul are two of their opportunities to pick up a better win during conference play. So those games don't get rescheduled, which I mean, hopefully because it's so early, they will find a way to reschedule at least one of those. I would say mainly the DePaul game, but it's going to become interesting too. I think when you get to conference records too, right? Like what happens when, (laughs) I mean, I'm not so much worried about UConn, but like other conferences like Power Five, like if, you know, Arizona never plays Stanford or UCLA or any of the other good teams in the Pac-12. Like, what does that really mean if they win the conference? Yeah, exactly. And just in terms of makeups, I don't really know where you can fit games in unless others start getting canceled. So the stretch they have coming up, assuming everything goes as planned, which I feel like is quite a stretch. <laughs> they have a game Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, and then a big break before a game on Friday against Seton Hall. So maybe you could fit one in there, but then you go Friday, Sunday, Thursday. I don't know. Maybe you could play Tuesday in there and then Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday. So either you're not going to have time to make these games up because this also has to work for the teams that they're trying to make up games with. It's not mm-hmm. just what UConn's schedule is, but there's really not a whole lot of wiggle room. And even if you are putting games in there, you're talking about a lot of games in a very short period of time, which may not necessarily be the best thing for these teams because that could lead to more overuse injuries, or that could lead to more games being canceled by just one or two positive tests where if it's five days, UConn might have three games in five days or something crazy, and suddenly three games are knocked out. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of season left, but at the same time, there's not. So I don't really feel all that confident. UConn already has to make up two conference games. I can't imagine those are going to be the last two conference games that get canceled. I think that's probably why the Big East is discussing them as canceled and not postponed, because I don't think it's likely that all of these games get made up. I don't. I think some of them do, but definitely not all of them. Yeah, I think that's going to have to end up like working out where uh, there's definitely going to be future more games that are going to be canceled, but like the right teams have to have the cancellations on the same day to make it make, make have it get made up. I think it's going to be very interesting what happens going forward, not just from a conference perspective, but you think about like non-conference play last year, you had like Jeff Walls on Twitter, like trying to find games and like, I feel like we're getting very close to that being the situation again like if you have out the game and all your games are canceled are you trying to play someone else even if they're not in your conference just to get a game in like how much notice do you even have i mean DePaul found out uh, presumably before we did on tuesday that they weren't going to play on friday i don't know what DePaul's schedule is if they have another game this weekend but is it really feasible to get a game scheduled anywhere even if they were willing to travel in two days it might be. I don't know if that's all that realistic, though. I don't know if that's something that DePaul would even want to do or if UConn's in the same spot. I mean, when was it? It was Sunday that UConn found out that UConn wasn't that they weren't playing Marquette on Wednesday. Again, two days to try and schedule a game. And it was later on Sunday, too. So 
it's not like all of a sudden you have a 10 day stretch where you don't have any games. It's only a couple of days before that you're finding out these games aren't happening, or maybe the teams are giving their opponents an extra day's notice that, Hey, we might have some positive tests. We might not be able to play. If you think you can line something up, go for it. Cause we don't think this is going to happen. I don't know. It's not an ideal situation to be in. And I just don't really know how much better it's going to get anytime soon. Yeah, I kind of feel like, well, at least for the next few weeks, just given the holidays and everything, this is what we're looking at, but I, I don't really know what we can expect that things are going to get better. It doesn't feel very positive right now. It just keeps getting worse. No, this is, I really thought we were past this last year. Yeah, this, it's, this, I think this, it's very frustrating to deal with right now because you kind of thought we were past this point and we're back. <laughs> right, and I remember one of the most miserable things about last year was that I never knew what the schedule was going to be. Okay. I have this planned out where I have to do this and this, and then there's a game and then I have to do this and this now, is it just going to be throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks? I mean, it's not basketball, but last year, hockey, I think it was around this time, just threw out their entire original schedule and said, we're going to schedule games on Mondays and hope those work out. So have fun. So I never knew what was coming in a given week. It sucks. I hope we can get back to a point where it's a more secure schedule, but I don't know. It doesn't look great right now. And it's not a very fun time to be a sports fan. No, it's not. <laughs> I feel like even if you're not a sports fan, it's just not a fun time in general right now. It's very yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. This affects more than just sports. You kind of forget that sometimes when all you talk about all day is sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a different note, I don't know if it's happier note, but Mir McLean has a new home. She committed to the University of Virginia, according to her mom, on Christmas Eve. That's an interesting fit for her. I was looking, trying to find what her finalists were when she committed to UConn. I couldn't actually figure anything out. But there was an article that said that she's going to UConn in part because she doesn't like to lose and UConn doesn't lose very often. It's not exactly a place where you're going to win a lot at Virginia. They haven't been really all that great against Tina Tom under Tina Thompson. They are three and eight on the season. I mean, I, I have no problem with me or whatsoever. I'm happy that she's going to a place where she, sh in theory, should play more. Hopefully, she's going to do well there. I always really liked Mir's game. Very different situation than Sailor Poffin Barger. Just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But it's closer to home for her. It's still a good school, so it makes sense on a lot of levels just not necessarily on a basketball level if winning is her focus, but maybe that's changed since she's been in high school. Yeah. I think it's an interesting choice because like you said, like it's a place that she can definitely go be the star, but, and it's a great school, but yeah, it's a team that's struggling. So like, it's an interesting coaching situation that like Tina Thompson, I'm pretty sure is an alum, but like she has not found any success there. And I don't know like how much longer they can go with that experiment so it's, it's I feel like it's an interesting choice given the situation at Virginia right she could commit to UVA and then by the time she's eligible because she can't play this year mm -hmm. she gets to this offseason and suddenly they have a brand new coach that she didn't commit to and she's already used her transfer I mean I imagine she could get a waiver I don't know I don't know how that would work but it's a bit of a weird situation to walk into but 
good for her. I'm looking forward to what she can do at UVA with a bigger role because obviously she's so immensely talented. She's got so many physical tools. I'm excited to see what she could do in a bigger role because I still think she could be a really good player. She's still young. She has three years of eligibility left. She could even get a waiver to get an extra year. So she could, in theory, have an entire college career ahead of her four years. That's a long time to develop if she chooses to use it all. Obviously, that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, I'm hoping that things work out for Mir. Really fun player to watch when she's on. Just didn't come enough when she was at UConn. Exactly. Since UConn doesn't have any more games in 2021, next time they play will be sometime in 2022. When that is, I have no idea. But we decided we'll do a couple New Year's resolutions for the team, what they should be trying to fix for the new year. And obviously, these are things that they can control. So not testing positive for COVID or not having everybody get injured. Those are not feasible. Things that are limiting turnovers. That feels like UConn's number one issue strictly on the court is they turn the ball over so much and so many of them are unforced turnovers. If they cleaned those up and just cleaned those up, I feel like this would be a much better team. It might not be an immediate national championship contender with the current roster that they have, but they would just look a lot better on the court and that would be a huge difference. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a big one. And like, looking at their numbers, they're still like in the top 100 in the country for turnovers. It's not that bad, but it just, it's definitely been an issue for them. I think UConn's typically a team where you see like their assisted turnover ratio is always like first in the country and it's definitely not there right now. Um, So just trying to clean that up, take better care of the ball. I think Gino said after the Louisville game that they're kind of their own worst enemy at times and the turnovers is definitely a part of that. There's just... There's stretches, I feel like, where they'll turn the ball over on back-to-back possessions, and that just, like, changes the momentum in a game like that Louisville game. And I think it's it's a little frustrating for them, I'm sure. But, yeah, I think if they clean that up, they're already in a much better position than they were in that Louisville game. Right. I mean, it's the bad passes. It's the forced passes. It's Olivia Nelson Adota traveling every single time she touches the ball sometimes. It's unbelievable how frequently these are the same issues. And I think that's why it's a little frustrating that these two games have gotten canceled because these are not issues that you're going to fix on the practice court. They've had plenty of practice time. They've already had a couple long stretches without games. This is just another one. They need the games. They need to start getting the reps. They need to start fixing things in games. And we've started to see that a little bit with the way that they played against UCLA, with the way that they played for most of the game against Louisville. Now that progression is just going to be delayed and it's two fewer games that you might have under your belt. Two games that could lead to some pretty good development because Marquette and DePaul are both good teams, but teams that UConn should definitely beat. So not only can you clean things up a little bit, They could be a nice little confidence boost where you get challenged, but you're still able to beat them. And you just get that little boost from the win, from the performance, from the development. And now you don't have those. Yeah, exactly. I think they've had a really like irregular schedule of games so far in general. And now adding this to it, it's even more time without games. And I think it's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see them work on those things in games for at least another week. If you were on the team, what would your New Year's resolution be to fix going into 2022? I feel like the obvious answer is three-point shooting, but I actually think I rewatched the Louisville game on Christmas because it was on TV. So (laughs) no, watch this. Um, And I felt like they just lost Louisville on the perimeter, like 
a few too many times. So I feel like as good as the defense has been, the perimeter defense, there's definitely some work to do. Um, there's like a few sequences in that game where they just totally lost the open three-point shooter on a team where they have, you know, some really solid three-point shooters and you can't be doing that. So I think that's something that they need to clean up. I mean, the three-point shooting too on our end, but guarding on the um, perimeter. Well, I didn't watch the game. So was that like a persistent issue throughout the game or was that something that would start to crop up at the end of a period or the end of a long stretch without a timeout? Was it because I remember Gino men made some comment that he wished he could have given Caroline some time on the bench just to rest because he felt the exact same thing that she lost her defender on the three or her mark on the three point line a couple of times. And that led to a couple big threes that turned the tide of the game. And he didn't really put the blame on Caroline. He more just put the blame on not having the numbers. So was, do you think that was more of an issue of fatigue or was that just UConn not playing good enough defense to begin with? I think it was probably a combination. Like there are definitely some at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half that they missed, but even at the start of the third, there was a couple of times where Kiana Smith went on that, run kind of by herself in the third quarter that they totally lost her on the perimeter and she hit some tough shots in that run too that were well guarded but there were a couple shots that she hit and she I think she went on like a close to an 7-0 run by herself that she just and then I scored like 13 points in that quarter they just totally lost her on the perimeter yeah I remember those sequences where she hits three or four shots it felt like three or four shots in her own it's like okay why isn't someone just glued to her why yeah. why is there not one person tasked with making sure that anywhere she goes on the court, someone was in a foot of her. And if she's hitting shots with a hand in her face, good for you. Like there's not much you can do about that. It's the preventable issues that weren't being fixed. Again, things that you learn playing games that you can't really learn in practice because you know, the tendencies of your teammates, you know, the tendencies of the male practice players that's not happening anymore. So I, I, or I mean, that's not happening when you're not playing games. So it's just, again, not having these games is a big loss for the team development. And yeah, you, you got to hope that you can get AZ and Nika back, especially now that you have another week without games where they can get healthy. Hopefully, I mean, if either of them test positive, that might limit their return to play schedule because they might not be able to get in the trainer's room every day. They might not be able to go to physical therapy every day, things like that. So it's just a tough situation. The lack of development is really just killer though. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep this podcast on the shorter side today, just because there really isn't a whole lot to be talking about. We're both a little rundown after the holidays. So we hope you enjoy your Christmas. If you celebrated, we hope you enjoy new years. We will talk to you in 2022. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Read the UConn blog. Sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Megan, anything to send us into the new year? Hopefully we'll have actual basketball games to talk to early in 2022. (laughs) That'll do it. Thanks for listening.